Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome to another amazing edition of the Orange Weekly pre-game podcast. We are here today to talk about the Minnesota Vikings game in which the Minnesota Vikings are favored by 10 points in Minnesota on an early game. It doesn't look good for us, Broncos country, but we're going to sit here and we're going to tell you exactly why you should be optimistic about this game specifically. So grab a beer, grab a drink, grab a hard seltzer, and sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. Orange man. I'm rocking orange, man. Always gotta rock orange, that's just how I roll. I'm rocking orange, man. Word up. I'll be rocking with the Broncos. I'm rocking orange, man. Always gotta rock orange, that's just how I roll. I'm rocking orange, man. You see, I'll be rocking with the Broncos. Okay, thanks for listening. I am always, as always, when I'm here, I'm your host, Jared, and I am joined by the founder and godfather of Orange Weekly, Kev Dan. Kev Dan, how are you doing this week? Well, uh, you know, got Broncos football this weekend, so bye week is a nice little break, but at the same time, you see all these teams playing, you're like, oh, I want to be cheering for my team but i can't so we're here football's coming up in a couple days and uh no it's, it's always great man always great but the cool part about this last week especially is if you were not super interested in any games there's a lot of upsets which was kind of cool and a lot of stuff that kind of worked out in the broncos favor if that makes sense i mean oh yeah it looks like the afc west is hurting a little bit more than we thought it was to be honest with you i mean the fact what uh chiefs are now six and three uh so, I mean, the fact that they lost to the Titans the way they did, all the other multiple, multitude of upsets that happened this last weekend, I mean, uh, it was still it was interesting to watch. Um, but, you know, I think we're only, what, one game, two game behind uh, the, the Chargers and the Raiders. And uh, not to say that we can win the AFC West, but, you know, there's there's still a chance that we can make it to that number two spot uh, if we get some help from, from other teams and we uh, take care of business on our side. So it is interesting to see that, uh, the position we're in and kind of where where the AFC West is going right now. Well, what I love about this year, uh, just in the NFL, is really an any given Sunday kind of mentality. Like you have us shutting out Tennessee for zero points, and then them coming out and putting up what was it like thirty four against mm-hmm. Kansas City, like some high number against Kansas City. Like yeah. how does like what are, what is happening? And then we get stomped by Kansas City, and it, it's just an any given Sunday kind of league. And I think. Unfortunately, the Broncos have been on the wrong side of that any given Sunday a couple, one, two, three, four, five too many times yep. um, in those close games that we just can't finish out. And, I, you know, it'd be a completely different season if that was the case, but it's not. And we're going to talk about this game in the situation it. we're in now. So let's talk about it. So Minnesota. So we're going to Minnesota. What scares you the most about going to Minnesota at an early time slot on on Sunday? You just said it right there. Early time slot on the road. Um, you know, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, previous years, the, historically, the, uh, the team coming off the bye week has had an advantage and has usually won more often than not. Uh, but after, you know, the NFL Players Association came out and said uh, that the, the players have to get a minimum of four days of rest in their bye week, um, the, historically, since then, teams coming off their bye week have not done as well. They have not actually had that advantage as they did in the past. So uh, not only uh, you know, is our offensive line still hurting with Juwan James, and we'll talk about that more, some other little things there, but uh, the fact it's that early time slot on the road, it's the start of a you know the next three out of the next four uh, 
games are on the road there and against really tough teams. So I think that's the biggest factor that I'm looking at this right now in terms of what worries me. Um, it's just how well we do on the road in that early time slot. Right. And the other thing, too, is we're heading up to Minnesota, uh, which we haven't been to in a while. And I, I believe Minnesota's in a dome. Are they yeah, in a dome? It's indoor field. They're, yeah. So so that's that's always a good thing. You know, we're going up because after that we play Buffalo and Buffalo is not in a dome. Exactly. And it is coming up on the cold seasons as those that don't live in Southern California are starting to realize. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm down here. I'm still, you know, rolling down the windows and uh, blasting the AC. That's but, gross. you know, you guys there in Denver, I heard you guys are getting some snow. So Yep, snow, some cold weather. Uh, it's, I mean, it gets up to the 60s some days, 70s like today. But, you know, it gets, gets at night, gets down to, you know, 35, 32 below. And, oof, I love it. So that, <laughs> that whole heat in California and the south thing, I can't stand it. Yeah, and we have a we have a young team, and I think a lot of these guys need to get used to that cold oh, cold yeah. weather. And we're, we we got to see how they how they react in the cold. And I'm kind of intri- intrigued to see that. But Minnesota's in the dome, which I, obviously we have we have what's good going for us. But in Minnesota on the early bye, we on the early time slot, Denver is notoriously bad. We are so bad in the early time slot on the East Coast, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like. Uh, a superstition that we have or a superstition that I have that I've noticed these stats for whatever reason. But that's what I'm worried about. I mean, in this mm-hmm. Minnesota team, this Minnesota team is looking real good. They have the firepower to have the big plays. They have the firepower to just be able to, to take the top off of the game real early and just keep it out of reach. But enough with the negative. What <laughs> positives are we looking forward to going to Minnesota? It looks like this, the cards are stacked against us right, right now, doesn't it? Like, what is it that we can hang on to and be like, you know what? We actually have a chance. We have a shot to, to, to take down one of the powerhouses of the NFC. Well, the first thing there is our defense. I mean, how many times have we been in these games that we've lost because of our defense? Uh, there are still some things like our turnover ratio. Look, we're negative three on the season right now. Vikings are uh, plus five on the turnover ratio. But uh, the one, you know, the, the foothold, the the basis of the optimism we have going in this game, at least for me, is the, the strength of the defense. Top four defense, top five defense in several different categories. And this is just what Coach Fangio has done in half of a season compared to what we saw over the last two years. So there's a lot of optimism there. These guys are going to keep growing, keep improving. Um, and, and that's, it. look, I think the defense is going to keep us in this game. You know, we've had a couple blowouts this year. I'm not going to count week one because that's week one football. Uh, I think really the only other blowout we had was against um, uh, the Chargers there uh, where we lost. Or I'm sorry, not the Chargers, the um, Man, the Chiefs, that other CH team. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, you know, I I think that this is, that's what's going to do it for us. And all we need is our offense to go out there and make some plays. And I think with Brandon Allen, we'll get to this in a little bit, I'm sure, as well. But, uh, you know, being able to extend some of those plays like we saw um, before the bye week. And uh, those are just some things that we have to look forward to. And I think, I just think I'm more optimistic now than I was uh, before the bye week. Okay. Well, let's flip a coin. Which, what do you want to talk about first, offense or defense? Let's go defense. Let's go defense. We're talking about defense and how great our defense has been playing and how we have a, a Pro Bowl, future Pro Bowl, I hope. Uh, I'm going on there and voting for him for sure. And Justin Simmons, I mean, he's been playing lights out. He's pro, pro football focused, top safety, year, day, week in and week out. And what, like you said, Kev, like what Fangio has done with this defense from the beginning of the season to what he has now has been 
uh, a complete turnaround from what we saw a couple of the first couple of games. And I love it. I love that our, our defense is flying around. I love that he's putting the people where they need to be. They need, they're putting the people in the right places. And Justin Simmons is playing really good safety work. And he's going to need to be playing very good safety against a high-flying Minnesota offense. Right, Stephon Diggs is is always going to be a deep threat to, uh, and and you know Kirk Cousins can get him the ball, which is crazy. He needs to have a good game. That's basically what it comes down to. Dalvin Cook is someone that can really t- blow the top off in the inside with the run. So our run defense is going to need to be good. We're going to have to rely a lot on Jackson, right? A kind of the unsung hero of the last couple games and the unsung hero of the defense right now he's leader in tackles he's always getting in there never letting people get past the second line and I think he really needs to have a really good game this week if if we're going to have a chance to stay in it if we can hold back the run game this is a little prediction side if we can hold back the run game and not let them open up the pass with their play action or with you know pulling everybody up into the box because we're trying to stop Dalvin Cook, we have a really good chance of winning this game. It's the second that we let Dalvin Cook start getting 10, 15-yard scampers, that's when it's going to be bad for us because we're going to have to start bringing an extra man inside the box or try to figure out something that's going to leave one-on-ones out there with Stephon Diggs, and we just can't do that. Yeah, I mean, the the positive we have with that is uh, Thielen is, I mean, at least right now he's listed as a hamstring and did not uh, practice along with three other uh, players there. So a lot of limited practice, but uh, let's see. I'm sorry, three of them were did not practice, uh, and Thielen's obviously one of them. We're not, we're not counting He's on out. him being in. It sounds like it's maybe a game-time decision, but uh, him being out should help our defense you know, cover Cooks like we're talking about. But that is one huge thing that we need to do, and, and I'm very confident we can do it. You know, some of the, the teams we played this, you know, last few weeks there, our defense has been able to shut these guys down. And... It's it's what we're saying we need to do, but and it's I just can't see how we're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and another uh, big kind of hurt to the Broncos' defense is we're talking about injuries. Obviously, Adam Thielen's an injury on the offense for the Minnesota, and that's pretty much it for the offense. They have a, uh, Josh Klein's out as well, one of their guards. Yep. Um, but our injury report looks like uh, all offense except for one big man that we are expecting to come back and play very well, someone we got in the offseason that everyone was super excited for, and he hasn't been able to play at all this season. Bryce Callahan is not going to be able to play this season. He had surgery, and something happened, and I guess the the part that he had a screw in his foot, it got bent somehow. Anyways, long story short, we don't have Bryce Callahan, and that's going to hurt. Obviously, our defense is playing well without him, so it's not a huge thing. It's not like a, oh, we're going to blow the top off and destroy every team that comes out once he comes back. But it is it is kind of a, a, a little bit of a hurt. Like, we went out and out of our way to get this guy. And What, what are your thoughts, Kev? So, I, I like... I was, I was happy that we brought him on board. I think it was one of those things that, you know, when, when we saw we went out of our way to get him, initially it's like, this is this is great. This is great news. We got Coach Vangio, his guy Bryce Callahan coming over to us. I mean, this is nothing but positive. Uh, and then, you know, the initial injury, they said, you know, like three to four weeks. And then it was seven weeks. And then coming the bye week, you know, okay, he's, he's out there practicing. You know, we're, we should be able to get play again. And now here we are, week 11, and he's going to be placed on IR. And you can't fault these guys. They can't control their injuries. You know, a screw in their foot or whatever gets bent. Like that's, that's way out of their control. The thing that I'm looking at here is in the last six seasons, he has missed significant playing time in every single season due to injuries. 
And I'm looking at this thing that that's not just. I mean, that's a trend now. You can't even say that. Well, it kind of looks like this is no. This is just a trend for the guy that he is just broken a good amount of the time every single year. And at this point, to be honest with you, and you know, we'll talk about this more at the end of the season. But man, I want to get in someone in here that is much more reliable. Is not nearly as injury prone. Um, I just, I just don't know if we're going to keep him. I think Vic Vangio will. But we, he needs to have a season where he is able to stay healthy at least the majority of the season. Yeah, so it, it, it does suck. And it's hard picking up injury-prone players, and it's difficult. But when they're healthy, they're healthy. I mean, Peyton Manning was an injury-prone pay, player when we picked him up in the offseason, too. And that obviously played out well for us. But it's kind of like a it's a 50-50 thing. What I do like, and I think it's really funny, is uh, what Fangio said in his press conference when they said, when they asked him what his possibility of coming back is, he said, obviously, he'll be fine. But he said, this time we need to make sure that the screw doesn't bend. We need to go to a better hardware store. So <laughs> he's making he's making light of it. And obviously, it's it's a situation that, you know, you have to keep an eye on and, and you want him to get better and make sure that that works out. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? So losing Bradley Chubb. In after week four, we lost him early in the season, losing Juwan James early in the season. Um, and then who else was our our other pickup that we high profile? Oh, Theo Riddick. Yeah, remember Riddick. when we picked up Theo Riddick in the offseason for a one year deal? He got injured right away. So those Juwan James, Callahan, and Theo Riddick were three of our offseason acquisitions that everybody was really excited for, and none of them have seen significant playing time. Juwan James seen 32 snaps all season yep. because of his injuries. It's difficult, it is tough playing this free agency game as opposed to learning from the draft. And if you want to hear my rants on the draft, go watch one of our Tuesday shows on Facebook Live because I will go off <laughs> on uh, why why we are where we are due to draft classes uh, not panning out the way we wanted them to. But that's for another topic. Yeah. Minnesota is going to be a difficult team because of the injuries that are plaguing the Denver Broncos. Another, as we shift our ideas over to the offense. Another injury that I want to talk about before we start talking offense is uh, Jeff Hireman and Deshaun Hamilton. Jeff Hireman's probably not going to be playing, and uh, Deshaun Hamilton is questionable. Now, while we have Noah Fant, we haven't been really using Noah Fant as a true tight end, as the blocking tight end slash going out. He's been more of kind of a slot tight end, yeah. going out uh, more of a slot receiver slash tight end. And Hireman has been one of our most reliable tight ends that we've had in, in a long time. Yep. And I and it's difficult to lose him because he was a big guy that we could get him rolling out on the play action. He was a huge play action piece because he could pick a block and go out for the pass. Do you think that's going to play into effect on how we go into this game or are we just going to have a next man up mentality on the tight end? I think it's got to be the next man up mentality, to be honest with you. Um, but after we saw what... Uh, Noah Fant did against the the Browns at 75 yard touchdown. Where basically, I don't know if it was a more of the Browns just completely, utterly forgot how to tackle there in that moment. You know, all three of them just completely whiffing on him. Or I, I know Noah Fant definitely broke at least one of them, if not two. And his speed, you know, we oh, always yeah. talked about once he gets going, man, he is fast. That is that's what he's known for. What I was most impressed with that run was that his balance was that of a running back. Yeah, it was not that of a tight end or, or a wide receiver. Like those guys were throwing their bodies at him, and he stood up. He stayed standing the entire time as he ran through and looked like he didn't break stride, mm-hmm. which is a huge thing. And I think that was something that you know the Broncos saw in him to to pick him as early as we did, because his his running once he gets the ball in his hands, he he looks lethal. 
as long as he holds on to the ball, he's going to be able to get upfield. Yep. And uh, I think that was something that I really saw in that. I mean, obviously there was poor tackling on the Browns, 100%. But they were bouncing off of him. Like, this isn't like, they weren't throwing rocks at him. These are 250-pound right. <laughs> guys throwing their bodies at him at full at full speed, and they're just bouncing off him like he's running back. I was super impressed with that run. That's I am too, and I'm hoping that Scangarillo and company were equally. I, I'm, I'd like to sit here and say they were equally, if not more so, impressed because this is what we've been saying all year. If we we want to see him do this, this is what he's known for. You know, yeah, he needs to learn the blocking side of being a tight end, but he's been mostly doing that. Uh, he hasn't seen many you know passes coming his way, and now that we've seen what he can do once he gets going, I would, I'd like to think that. We're going to give them two, if not three, opportunities doing that this next this next week uh, against the Vikings. Of hey, go out there. We're going to get you the ball and just you know do what you do. Um, it, it's you can't ignore a seventy-five yard you know passing touchdown to Noah Fant where he breaks three tackles. You know, yeah, uh, and the speed and the balance, like you said. So this is something that hey man, this guy can do it. Let's let's make that happen again. Maybe obviously not for seventy-five yards, but. Man, this guy, get him, give him the ball in the open field and let him take off, you know? Let's, let's, let's go out and try it and make it happen. And while we're on the subject of things we want to see from Scangarello, and I think this is actually going to open up uh, openings for Fant to be able to get the ball, is the play call is designed a little bit more for the play-action rollouts because we have a mobile quarterback again. Maybe not, you know, as mobile as, as you know, Deshaun Watson or some of these guys that are just out here running through, or Jackson in, in yep. uh, Baltimore, but... By the way, that was such a dirty spin move. If I didn't right. mention that, I'd be I'd be so mad. That was right. disgusting, and I, I hate that they have such a good quarterback. Anyways, so we have a semi-mobile quarterback, and and I think what we really need to do is go back to the Scangarillo offense, which works off of the run to the play action and get him out of the pocket and let him make some moves on the run, make, make some moves with his feet if he doesn't have it, as opposed to sitting and waiting for him to get sacked. Because, and and I'm, what I'm hoping for is now that Brandon Allen's been out there. For two, a couple weeks now, taking first string reps, he's he's getting used to the, the offensive line. He's getting used to where his receivers, his timing is going to be a lot better. And I think I hope his throws show that. But I do want to see a lot more of the play action boots, which incidentally is great for tight ends. Yep. Play action in and play action boots is the most amazing thing for tight ends because you can fake the block for a couple seconds with during the play action. Everyone crashes down or. The ones that aren't paying attention crash down, and he can roll out, and most of the time he's wide open. And if we can get the ball in his hands, like you said, get the ball in his hands, even if it's five yards downfield, let him make plays. Because we're past the point of thinking that our system is going to win the game. We need to get the ball in the hands of our playmakers, yep. and that's that's what's going to do it. And I think what's going to happen, and I think that's the way we're going to win the game, is once we do that, we break open these big plays, and now all of a sudden this is a different ball game. It's a different team. It's a different offense that we haven't seen before. Yeah, uh... I think Brandon Allen also, with everything you just said, not only has he been getting those reps, but he's had two whole weeks to look at his tape. He's had two whole weeks to analyze what he did, what he was seeing. And on top of, like, he's not brand new. He's been in the NFL, what, four years now? Uh, As obviously a a traveling backup, a a journeyman. But he has that experience, uh, at least working with teams and he's not fresh off the street from the, from the NCAA. So he knows how to watch tape. He knows how to improve his own game. And now that he's in this situation, I guarantee you that, Hey, this is his chance to kind of show that he's better than being a journeyman. Okay. Maybe he, maybe he will just kind of back up quality, but man, if he can be consistent, that's the kind of backup I want to keep for the long term. 
You know, yep. that's a guy that we can rely on to not screw up the game if he has to go in there. And we need him to go make plays. He can make it happen. We saw that against the Browns. And now you're thinking he's had two weeks of prep. I, I don't see how he's going to do any worse. Now, um, you know, I do kind of think that he's going to throw an interception. And that's fine. I mean, just look at, you know, Vikings are plus five on turnovers. Uh, but I think just with the play action that is now available, the the bootlegs, the fact that he can step up, make some plays, scamper up the field for a little bit uh, if he needs to get us four or five yards when everything else is breaking down. This is the guy that is making the offense work. And now that he's had two weeks versus the half a week he had before the Browns game to get, get in the right mindset, I'm excited to see what this guy can do. And I agree with you. I think he's going to throw an interception, but I don't think it's going to be one of those interceptions that you're going to sit there and be like, what was he thinking? No, 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 no. It's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be an interception that got tipped and it wasn't his fault, or it's going to be an interception that he trusted his receiver and the defender made a better play than the receiver did. Yeah. Because I, something that I, I boasted about after the Browns game and I absolutely love about the guy is that, and his, especially showing his first touchdown in his NFL career to Cortland Sutton, he trusted his receiver to make a play and his receiver made a play. That was something that through the first eight games of the season or however many games we, we played up to that point, that we did not see. Yep. We didn't see it because Joe Flacco never trusted him. He never trusted his his receivers to go make plays. He would never give it to him if it was in a tight spot because he was so afraid of making that turnover. Well, guess what? You're probably going to lose your job regardless. So now <laughs> there's nothing that you can take back. But he's going out there. He's making the throws. He's making the attempts. He's getting getting the ball downfield, and I, and I like that about him. And obviously there's some timing issues, especially in that first quarter. You can sell a little bit of jitters. The, the ball was oh, yeah. uh, a little short sometimes. Sometimes you're kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't the guy. But he really, he really impressed me. In his first start, especially going from a Flacco to him, it was just it was just against that defense. That that defense is very that Cleveland Brown defense is really good, and this Minnesota Vikings defense is really good. Like you said, plus five on turnovers. A lot of that has to do with Kirk Cousins not throwing the ball or not turning the ball over a lot, right? They're plus five because of that their offense is not a big turnover offense. But I, I think that we have a chance if we can get the ball into in, into the hands of our playmakers. I'm expecting big games from both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman this week. And I think we're going to keep splitting the rock between the two of them because they're two different runners and they're two different play styles that can get the ball down. They, they both have breakaway speed. They both have the ability to make big plays. And I think if we continue with this one-two run, I, I like this Thunder and Lightning. I do. I like this Thunder and Lightning play calling. I like the running backs. And I also like the fact that no matter who's back there, you can't tell which way we're running. You can't tell if we're running inside or outside. You can't tell if it's going to be play action. You can't tell if he's getting the ball for sure or not. I think that really plays into the minds of of what the defense is thinking if you have one guy that you run with most of the time and then if the other running backs in there are like hey pass this is a pass guys guys look it's a pass <laughs> so I I think that that really helps our offense and I think as we go forward we're starting to see that a little bit more often but let's let's look at the overall implications here okay what is the implications of this game to Denver and to the Broncos players I think Again, I mentioned the next the, the next three of the next four games are going to be on the road. Uh, the next two are on the road before we come back home. If we can get this win against the Vikings, that should I, I can't you can't sit here and tell me that it's not in the players' minds that they they know how bad they are on that Eastern Time Zone. You know, um, the early game slot, all that stuff on the road. They know that. 
and they can, they're still professionals, you know, but at some point in the back of their heads, they know what they're up against. And if they can go on the road and get this win after the bye week, that is going to set up momentum and, you know, just, man, the morale that they're going to have going on the road again to, to Buffalo the week after and then bring that home. We are not out of the division right now. Um, nope. Again, I don't think we're going to get to the number one. Obviously, the Chiefs would need to lose a ton more games, and we'd have to win a ton more games. But if we're talking about trying to get to that 8-8 eight and eight record and just kind of save some face after the, you know, the way the season started and the two seasons before this, this game is going to be huge, and it's going to have a huge impact on how the, the players you know think about the next few games after that. So it's a tough opponent. It's on the road, but... Our defense is going to hold us in the game. We just need our offense to get some points on the board and be consistent. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's there's not much to say too much about that either. Like, you can't really sit back and say the Denver Broncos can win the AFC West. You can't. No, no, no. Uh, we're, no. We have six. We already have six losses. And, and best case scenario, we go 10 and six, which, hey, we still can. And 10 and 6 teams have made the playoffs in the past. And again, we're talking any given Sunday, right? There's a lot of things. And if we did go 10 and 6, now you're getting me worked up, Kev. Look at this. <laughs> and if we do go 10 and 6, if we do decide that we're going to start winning games and, and go forward, now we have the most momentum going into the playoffs as we're skyrocketing our way in there and everyone's happy and no one's mad and no one's calling for Drew Locke to be the savior because everybody thinks he's God or something. It, it, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm a realist. Right. I am. I want it to happen. I want them to something to figure it out. I want them to go out and beat Minnesota by 30, and then all of a sudden people are talking about, oh, wow, these guys might make a comeback. Or if we win like four or five in a row, people are going to be like, oh, wow, what what is happening in Denver? Mm-hmm. Or what's happening to Denver on the road? But I'm a realist, and I know that's not going to happen. I also am not going to sit here and say, let's lose these games because we want a better draft oh, pick. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. No. I want to say, as, as we're talking about draft picks, now we're talking pre-season podcast. As we're, if we're going to talk about draft picks, never, ever, ever tank for a draft pick. It just You cannot root for a team and expect them to tank for a draft pick, especially when, historically, top 10 draft picks normally perform around the same. Top 20 draft picks, the first round draft picks normally perform around the same as they would anywhere else. I mean, look at... Uh, linebacker Bush, Devin Bush, he's having an amazing year. And all the number, like one through fives are having decent years. And and some of these guys from this last draft draft pick, obviously these guys are rookies, so they're having decent years. Fant is having an okay year. And there's other people that could really, really benefit in the top 20. You don't have to have a top five pick to be able to get the guy you want. Look at Lamar Jackson. He was, right. I think, either the thirty-first or the thirty-second or second round uh, pick of the first round, and look what he's doing in Baltimore. So yeah, right. we can sit here and say we want a top ten quarterback. It 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 doesn't matter that much to the point where yeah, you the team is going to tank just for the top ten pick. That's not that's not what's important. It's how well you draft, uh, and some of it's luck. You know, it is a gamble on every player, uh, but it's it's how you approach the draft and uh, kind of getting a little luck there. Um, but what I would rather us, what I, what I'd rather see us be at the end of the season is a playoff worthy team, a team that is come together. The defense is super strong. The offense is figuring out its identity for the first time in years, 
right. for us to carry that into next year. And if we end up eight and eight, if we end up seven and nine, but we are playing like a, a playoff caliber team, that's what I'm more looking forward to at the end of the season. I, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to go 10 and six. I just think that, look, it's a 3% chance of us getting the playoffs. That's basically zero to me. But it's how the team performs and how they continue to grow over the rest of the season that's going to directly impact how we view this team in the offseason, how we draft, how we prepare for the next year, and ultimately, ultimately how we're going to look next year at the end of the day. Yep, 100%. And, and I, I don't know how else to put that. And if, if we ever have any listeners, which I don't think we do. I think we have a pretty good following, Kev. Oh, yeah. uh, if we ever have any listeners that talk about tanking for a better quarterback pick, just just get out of your head. <laughs> just so, stop. Just stop. <laughs> also, I want to point out, we are playing the Minnesota Vikings – and the Minnesota Vikings have a future, a former Super Bowl 50 winning head coach on their coaching staff. Yep. What role is Gary Kubiak playing? And, sorry, you know what, Kev? How about you explain, you explain what's going on, what happened to get Gary Kubiak to Minnesota as opposed to playing with, as opposed to helping us out? And then I'll explain what he's doing over there. Yeah, no. Uh, so I know this was a while ago, back, you know, before preseason and... The, the news essentially was that it was like a done deal that Gary Kubiak was going to be our offensive coordinator. It was, I, I mean, John Elway pretty much came out and said, this, this is going to happen. This is happening. Uh, but if you guys remember, there were two assistants. So uh, Gary Kubiak said, yes, I will be the offensive coordinator under two conditions. I want these two assistants. One of them is Rick Dennison, and I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. Right. But... First off, you know, you have a first-time head coach. Basically, it's like, I want to pick my own assistants. So I get where Gary Kubiak was coming from, but at the same time, the, the head coach needs to be, at least have some say and maybe you know, the, the final say in who the assistants are. But Gary Kubiak essentially said, I will take the position only if I have these two guys. And Rick Dennison does not have a good history with John Elway and the Broncos. John Elway said no. I am not bringing back Rick Dennison onto this team as an assistant. Uh, and whoever else... The other, the other one he wanted his, uh, was the offensive his, uh, line. Was the offensive no, no, line no, Rick, coach. So Rick Dennison it was the offensive line coach. Oh, we sorry. Had, yes. We had notoriously bad offensive lines under Rick Dennison. Like notoriously, like really bad offensive lines. But the other one was his son, Clint. Clint, Clint yep. Kubiak. He wanted him to come in as his quarterback's coach. And I think the Clint wasn't the issue. It was Rick Dennison. Because it was Rick Dennison. Brad look, far, we're sitting yeah, here between Mike Munchak and Rick Dennison. And John Elway said no. And I right. think there was some, you know, they, they, they announced it prematurely. Um, they, I think the thought was Gary Kubiak's going to cave. Vic, you know, Vic Fangio gets the final say. Uh, Gary Kubiak wants to stay in Denver. This is where his family is. This is where he's been. He's always been a part of the, the, the Broncos. You know, all three Super Bowls we've won, Gary Kubiak has had a role in, just like John Elway. Gary Kubiak was the, the backup to John Elway. Uh, yep. you know, then he's our head coach for Super Bowl 50. So I think the thought was that Gary Kubiak's in a cave so he can stay here. That was not what ended up happening. So when he said, you know what, you don't let me bring on Rick Dennison. I don't want this, but I want to be back involved on, on some team. And that's where the Vikings step in and say, we can't, we already have an offensive coordinator, but we would love you to be our offensive assistant advisor. And that's where your part comes in, Jared. 
<laughs> yeah, so so the Vikings go out and they say, you know what? We don't care if we have a terrible offensive line. Bring Rick Dennison with you. Hey, also bring your son. He's going to be a quarterback coach for a quarterback that we're going to get that has more experience than he does. So they took him on and they took him in and they know what they're getting with this package deal. They're basically paying for a very nice ripe apple and then like uh, a, a peach that has like too young to eat like you can't eat it yet and then and then a rotten banana like but you, you really banana. wanted the apple you really wanted the apple because it was a honey crisp and it was delicious right was, yep. so gary kubiak comes in and they know what they're getting with a guy who's a super bowl winning co- a coach in his first year and when he was a first year coach in denver and they are getting a, an offensive mind that you know was with Peyton Manning to win that Super Bowl. So he has a lot of knowledge in that offense. And he plays a very basic run first offense. And that's what they got from him. And that day he comes in and he's, you know, he's the assistant head coach and the offensive advisor to office coordinator uh, Kevin Stefanski, who obviously they work very well together because it's working out in their favor. Now, I will mention, because I also think our, our defense is going to do pretty decent, because as terrible as we were talking about Rick Dennison being, they have been sacked 17 times yep. this season. That is not a good number. 17 I mean our, I mean our sure, I'm sure our numbers are looking pretty bad, but that's more of Joe Flacco. So they have Cousins who is a quarterback who doesn't hold on to the ball the way that Joe Flacco does. He can get the ball out. These are sacks of offensive line that is not playing as well as they should. Now they are run first offense and let's be honest, Dalvin Cook is having an amazing year. I think that's more based on the scheme than it is on anything else. I mean, remember our Super Bowl winning year, we had a terrible offensive line, but we had Peyton Manning who could throw audibles out there and we had CJ Anderson who was getting pretty good numbers on in the run game. So yeah. he's a run offensive coach. We can get this defense to snap, or this offensive line to snap, because it's under Coach Rick Dennison. The other thing that I want to bring up because of this, I want to talk about Kubiak for another reason. There are still some players that were coached by Gary Kubiak on this team. That's going to play into their mind. They're either going to do one of two things. Hey, man, why didn't you come to us? Because it wasn't really a bad falling out. It was more no. of a like, hey, man, like don't budge on this Dennison thing, man. He's a, he's a tool. And he was like, no, he's not true. He's my friend. And he was like, okay, cool. Go to Minnesota then. He was like, watch me. And then they, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's going to play in the minds of some of these players, but you, you, I wouldn't be surprised. that Before the game, you're going to see Kubiak walking around and talking to some of these former players, Vaughn, Chris Harris, you know. Oh, yeah. There's obviously nobody left on the offense, but some of these defensive guys that have been with the team for a while, um, you're going to see him going around. And you're going to see him say hi. And I don't know if it's going to play in the mind. What do you think? Uh, I mean, first off, it's just going to be the focal point. I mean, they're going to talk about it throughout the game, I believe. You're going to see a ton of shots of uh, Gary Kubiak sitting there in the booth with the headset on. You know what I mean? It's just going to be a, a point of them, something for them to talk about throughout the game. Right. Uh, when it comes to the, the players, I don't, I don't know if it's going to have an impact on them mentally other than they have an idea of what kind of offense he runs. And it's not his offense. I get that. Right. But... At the same time, it kind of is. You know, right. you're not going to hire someone to be an advisor to just never listen to them. So I don't know if that gives us an advantage at all. But you, I mean, we look. Uh, Cooks has gotten ten touchdowns this year. He's averaging essentially one touchdown a game. Um, if we can stop that, if we can stop the run, just like you said, we can get this offense to break. We can. 
And it just takes a matter of, look, we, we stopped De- uh, Delvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, sorry. Uh, we have Parcel up front. Who, you know, the, the offensive line has done really well against the run for the most part since we moved those guys around. And if we can do that, I mean, Kirk Cousins' numbers are great, but you think about this, he has an awesome running back to help him out, to help, you know, mix up the play calling. But if they just are getting nothing on the run, that's where our, our defense really steps up and says, cool, we can stop the pass. Chris Harris Jr., um, Justin Simmons, those guys out there, they can stop the pass. They can at least have to make them work down the field, get them in those third down positions. Uh, and that's just what they have to do early on is stop Cook and then force Cousins to throw the ball more once they're either in a close game or they're behind by any amount. But that's where it turns back over to our offense having to make something happen. But, uh, you know, yeah, they have allowed 17 sacks and not to jump around too much, but they have they have sacked the opposing quarterback 29 times throughout the season. So that's one thing to really yeah. keep in mind is, uh, yeah, we should be able to get at least one, if not two sacks. But also we have got to watch that. Our offensive line has got to be on top of their game. And I think Brandon Allen knows this. Look, he can... Part of the reason the offensive line looked looked fairly decent last week or against the Browns two weeks ago was because Brandon Allen was able to move away from the offensive line when it was breaking down. Right. So I don't think they're going to be able to sack us more than also two times. And that's yeah. that's still not great, but you know Brandon Allen's going to be able to get away from that. So with, with everything going on here between uh, Gary Kubiak and it kind of being essentially sort of his his offense and knowing where their strong points are, uh, there's again, just goes back to what I said. There's a lot of optimism here. Yeah, and I, I think the other reason that he he's not going to get sacked as much, and how he, how he didn't get sacked in the in the Browns game, because the Browns are killing it in sacks too. I mean, Miles Garrett until last night, which we won't talk about until Thursday Thursday night game, um, was having an amazing season. I mean, he was getting at least three sacks a game. He was leading the sacks. So, uh, you know, they they have a very good sacking defense, but I think it's he's getting the ball out when he needs to get the ball out, and he's playing the system the way he the system is designed to play. And Joe Flacco never did that. Yeah. So the other thing we have going on going for us too is so they're coming off barely beating the Dallas Cowboys uh, last week, and now they're coming to us. We had a bye week, and the bye week. They say, you know, you were talking at the beginning of the show about how the Players Association gave mandatory four days, and we ended up giving them the whole week off, and I like that because, honestly, bye week is for player rest and player recuperation, and it's for the coaches to really take a look at what they're doing and try to game plan. They they have they have the additional two weeks to prep, so yeah. now they had the extra week to prep. They have that whole week to put it into the system, into the offense, and now, hopefully, that pays dividends, and... I'm really excited to see how Fangio game plans against Alvin Cook and how he game plans against Kirk Cousins in, in this high-flying and, and big boomer-bust Minnesota offense. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see because we have a defensive-minded head coach, which we didn't think we were going to have at all. I mean, the, the pick of Vic Fangio was the complete opposite of what John Elway said he was looking for in that press conference before <laughs> they started interviewing head coaches. Uh, but this guy is, you know, he is incredibly smart. I mean, he is on the genius level. And you give him two weeks to uh, game plan against someone like the Minnesota Vikings, uh, at least when it comes to the game plan, I really believe we have the upper hand. And you also got to think that the Vikings lost, barely uh, lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, right. So they, they barely lost one. Uh, they barely won the last one. This is a prime opportunity for us to go in there and steal a win from them. And that would just, again, be huge for 
uh, for our team moving forward, both mentally and just, I mean, how, how we're going to see the rest of the season. I agree 100%. And I think that's going to be our big, our big goal. Like what, what is our game plan going to be going in and can we execute that game plan to get the win? And I think we can. So with that being said, what, what's your prediction here? Man, it's been a tough season and, uh, you know, I, I did pick the Browns the last week, and uh, I had to uh-huh. eat my words on air. And you know, everyone was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna have to eat your words." And I said, "Yeah, if Broncos win, I will fully admit I was wrong." Uh, and I'm glad I was wrong. I was very glad I was wrong in that situation. Uh, but this week, I am going to pick the Broncos to win because of the bye week uh, and the implication of what this game means for these players moving forward. Uh, it is again. Unfortunately, going to be a tight one the way I see it. But, uh, you know, the Broncos, you know, essentially average is still around 20, 24 points. And I think that's where they're going to sit. I think they're going to get 24. Our defense is going to hold them to uh, 20. You know, they're going to try and go down the field to get that last minute touchdown. Um, And I think our defense is finally going to step up and there's not going to be any bad refing calls, you know. It's um, not going to be gonna deja come out, play vu a good game offensively. Time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I'm, I'm predicting Broncos twenty four, Vikings twenty, uh, to start this uh, the second half of the season. Okay, I think it's going to have to be a high scoring game. I think Brandon Allen gets his feet underneath him. I think the game plan finally starts showing what it can do, and I think our run game is going to do very well. I think this is going to be a decently high scoring game. I think it's going to be. Uh, 34 for the Broncos. I think it's the first time we score over 30 this season. And I think uh, 21 to, let's go 28, 34-28 for Minnesota. Minnesota just has these big playmakers. Like they just have these this ability to, they could look like they're going to get this get stomped and just have one big play that really changes the momentum. And they just have these over-the-top guys that can do that. So I, I think they're going to score pretty decent too. But I think that we're going to edge it and we're going to actually finally come out and score 30 points. And we're going to look like an actual Denver Broncos team that wants to play football as opposed to sitting back and trying to waste the clock as much as we can. And Because I, I think that's what we're going to need in Minnesota. But again, I could be wrong. Stats are going to probably prove me wrong because Minnesota is not scoring crazy, crazy numbers uh, in their games. To be honest with you, they're, they've never scored over. Uh, they score over 30 twice. Yeah. So, yeah, their uh, their numbers are at, like, 28 to, to 30. And, and we've never scored over, I don't think, like, 21 ever. So, yeah, yep. it's going to be it's gonna be an interesting interesting game, to say at least. Do you have any uh, last words for our Orange Weekly listener, podcast listeners? Yeah, uh, guys, remember, uh, we do that. Uh, we have multiple live shows and podcasts for you guys throughout the week. Obviously, you're listening to this one right now. Uh, but just a reminder, you know, it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, we're all over the place. So make sure you hit that subscribe button for us. We would really appreciate it. And of course, you would just uh, get that notification as soon as every other podcast we post gets uh, gets posted there. Uh, don't forget about our live shows on Facebook, Monday Night Orange Weekly After Dark, 9 p.m. Mountain Time. And then our Bourbon Broncos No BS show, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on Tuesdays. We also have uh, Ray's show, The Ragers a show where he breaks down the betting lines of the day. Um, So if you're interested in making some sport bets for the day, he's doing pretty well in the season. I don't know what his record is right now, but he's won money more often than not. Uh, So that's supposed to be Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, you can and anything if you just want to hear what uh, what Vegas is predicting for the game, give you an idea there. Uh, it's a great show to watch. Only about five ten minutes. Uh, but we've got our pregame show, ten a.m. Mountain Time, Broncos brunch uh, on Sundays, and then our halftime hash show, which is probably one of the uh, 
Dude, it's it's like our most popular show, I think. Because I mean, definitely the most. If popular. you haven't checked it out, guys, we we all know what you do when halftime starts. It's what everyone does. You pick up your phone, you go get some snacks or whatever, another beer, but you're looking at your phone, right? You're checking Facebook and stuff. Well, you're already there. Just go ahead and uh, watch our halftime hash show. It's going to be right there on our Facebook page. Uh, and instead of listening to what the announcers have to say about the game, because I really don't care what they think, uh, you get a chance to talk to us during that halftime about what the uh, first half of the game looked like and what your thoughts are. So, guys, we got a ton of stuff for you. Uh, across Orange Weekly. If you're not uh, taking advantage of all the stuff we provide for you guys, just, uh, man, uh, we try and do it. I mean, we do it all for you guys. Um, Jared and I and the rest of the Orange Weekly staff, we talk Broncos all the time, pretty much every single day. (laughs) Phone's always blowing up with messages and whatnot, and it's awesome. But uh, more awesome is being able to talk about Broncos football with you guys, and that's why we do this. So check out all our other content. Spread the word. Uh, Tell uh, tell your friends about who we are and whatnot. And, um, I mean, we're going to be here no matter what. So um, that's my spiel there, Jared. Yeah. No, that was a great plug. And uh, you know what? If you are listening to this and, and you've been listening to this for a little while, thank you. For everything, thank you for listening. Thank you for following us. Thank you for interacting with us, which is again, like Kev said, we this is why we do it is to interact with you guys. But please help us out. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell whoever Miles the mascot is, um, and you know make who sure. It is. Yeah, no, I, I don't know who it is, Kev. Stop it. I should have brought it up. I should have brought it up. I thought about um, it. <laughs> so we know we know that you guys love it. We want other people to love it too. Let us know how we're doing. Let other people know how we're doing. And make sure you hit that share button. Make sure you hit that follow button and all the nine. But we have a big game ahead of us, Kev. We've talked about it enough. I think it's time to watch the Broncos go into Minnesota and do something with it. And with that being said, go Broncos. Go Broncos. Thanks for listening.